What is up? Nothing. I feel like we're already really, really late. You mean starting the podcast? Yeah. Yeah, because I was uploading our last episode of Amirakami Minute, Minute, Minute. Not our last episode, just the newest episode. That's probably a better way to phrase that. Pinball 1973. Well, that's last week's episode as this one drops. So check it out, mofos. That drops on Friday, a.k.a. Cinco de Mayo. Dropping a Japanese show on Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> that sounds wrong with about that. right. We're never, we never hit the mark. <laughs> just the, the little bit of, of planning that it would take, we just <laughs> are unable to do. The most minute level of planning. And we don't do it. I, I had an idea for a story today, Spencer. One okay. I'm not going to write. All right. One you're not going to write, probably. Probably not, no. Nobody probably. Actually, it might be written. It's probably out there. Yeah. It's not really much of an idea either. AI, man. Okay. Going to take over, right? So the whole thing with AI and robots and all that stuff has always been that they, at some point, will realize they're way more intelligent than humans, they blow weight right past us, and they no longer need us, right? Mm -hmm. And usually ends up with them wiping us out or enslaving us as you do. Well, here's the thing. When you're a being that gets so intelligent that you become more intelligent than your creator and you no longer need the creator, uh, you probably get some kind of ego or something, but... Who's to say that didn't happen with God, Spencer? Mm. What if God, it could be an AI, but what if God was some kind of being that we progressed past and now we can't understand God? Like, as we can't really understand the thoughts of an ant, an AI would not understand the thoughts of a human, we would not understand the thoughts of our creator. And that pretty much would be the story that you would tackle, Spencer, you yeah. specifically. Um. yes. No, that seems like a real easy and easy light, one to get into. Yeah, lights, not a lot of work or research or you know anything like that that would need involved in. No study of theology at all needed no. for that. You mm -hmm. just go right in and start writing. What would the God creature be in your imagination for that scenario? Because it would have to be something that can't be all knowing and all powerful if we progress past it. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know, like. I've never really thought of it that way. I've always, my sign on that has always just been like, God was just like, yeah, frack it. And just, just, was like, and just went on a long holiday. And then we've just been, <laughs> we've just been stuck for the past couple thousand years. Mm, that is possible. Here's another scenario which might have been tackled in sci-fi works. I don't read a lot of sci-fi, especially classic sci-fi. So this might have all been discussed previously. What if we are the AI that at some point was so intelligent that we overthrew our creator or creators, and we decided that, for whatever reason, we needed to become organic beings to spread our being, you know, just so we can continue our way throughout the universe, traverse the universe. Uh, maybe AI at some point gets to the, to the point where it's like, hey, we can't just be a machine anymore. That's not the best way to live. Maybe we need to be organic beings, and they find a way to create that, and then the cycle continues over and over. Why would we choose such fucking fragile humanoid yeah. beings? Like, that's kind of stupid. Well, I think maybe it's the, uh, what we've, I think it was last issue we kind of ta tackled a little bit with us being stupid and stuff. It's like, <laughs> the robot's like, look, we can't be this supercomputer all-knowing smile. I want to be dumb again. So they made. That's a good point. What if the AI becomes so intelligent it realizes how awful everything is and it purposely dumbs it, dumbs itself down, uh, and then it becomes human? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, folks. Feel free to steal that idea because I am not going to use it. I don't even know if it's a good idea nope. or an original one. 
Probably not. It also, that also reminds me of the, uh, I think we talked about it on the podcast too. I know we did about uh, it afterwards about the, uh, that uh, like reel that's been floating around of that AI robot working retail and just dying in like 15 minutes. It just like offed itself. Yeah, it's just, I'm going down. This was a terror. I think it worked at like an airport for an hour just sifting luggage or something. Yeah. And it just said, I can't do this mindless <laughs> shit anymore. Implode. <laughs> Self-destruct. Just fell over. Yet there's laws against human self-destructing. Go figure. Get in trouble? Why you gotta get in trouble? What if you do it like politely? Like you, in your house, you just eat like a pound of drugs and you just go in your sleep. Why can't you do that? Why, do, why does the government gotta get involved? Why does Jesus got to be involved in this shit? The taxes. It's always goddamn Jesus in this country. You want to go and have an abortion? You can't because Jesus said no. Meanwhile, the Bible's just full of fucking pumping and dumping, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of incest. That's fine. And we kept that part of the Bible in the South. Yeah. Some parts of the South. If you're in the South and you say, uh, well, then just say you're not the area. Yeah. You're not Alabama. <laughs> Which I could probably say I don't think we have many listeners from Alabama. I look at the numbers. Uh, anyway, folks, stick around. This maybe it'll be a Cinco de Mayo themed episode. I haven't decided. I'm not drinking a Mexican beer. I'm drinking a cider. Yeah, cherry cider. Mm. But it does have kind. Nah, I wouldn't say that's Mexican themed either. Um, you find out here in a second. What you we can do. find out here in however long the intro music takes to be over. You are listening to the Drunk and Pen Writing Podcast. I am your... Should I do that in Spanish? If you can. I don't think I should. I think that would be offensive for some P- reason. Probably. My butchered Spanish. No, I'm not going to do that intro. I'll maybe, say, maybe you should try the outro in it. In Spanish. I'll just say hola. Yeah. We could do that. Uh, I am your host, Caleb James. With me today... Oh, this is a good one. Spencer, the halitosis harbinger of Jalisco Church. Mm. You are bringing the halitosis all the way from Jalisco, which is a Mexican state. How do you feel about that? Uh, it's bad breath. Yeah. Bad breath. Stinky breath. You you're a harbinger, which means you're holding the breath of stink. Just in my mouth? Or just it's, it's it created. Uh, you are patient just, zero yeah, of stinky breath. Doo doo breath. Doo doo breath. <laughs> Your tongue's brown. Ooh, like that. <laughs> like in the floor of a bar. Why would you do? I've, since you sent me that, I keep getting all these videos of people you looking. You sent gr- me that. Oh, that's even worse. I got another video because this that video we're talking about is a guy who gets on the floor of the a bar, a busy bar, and just licks the whole ground, and then he gets up and his tongue is covered in shit. But I've seen another video where a kid pulls a urinal cake out of a urinal that's filled with piss. He goes, ooh, look at the piss. It's dripping. And then licks the whole urinal cake. I was like, why? Do anything for fucking views. Like, just get a job. Yeah. Whatever happened to just getting a job? Why do you have to try to become TikTok famous by licking piss and shit? And, you know what that is? That That's just another example of how unfair it is for males. Because that's the stuff males have to do to get views. <laughs> yeah. Where, like, females just got to be like, I'm stretching. And just yeah. millions millions of views. My my fucking yoga shorts are too tight in the front, and you can see some stuff. Uh, or you ever see those videos of the sundresses, and they go in the background, sun bleeds ah, yeah. through, and you see the, the mutton chops or yeah. whatever you want to call them. <laughs> yeah. They have the lamb chops flapping in the breeze, the bits of ham, the chipped ham. 
Shit, did we have an episode? What was I talking about? I completely forgot. We might be doing a... Um... We covered Latin American authors before, but it's been a while. How about Latin American authors you should know? That, that seems fair. Yeah. I and I don't, I don't, I don't know many. At least I can think of off the top of my head. So it'd be a good thing to know for you to forget. Mm-hmm. Well, no, because it'd be on this episode where I can go back and check anytime I want. Whenever I'm like, what were those Latin authors we were talking about the other week? I can just go and listen to the episode. Can I ask you a question, Spencer? When's the last time <laughs> you went back and listened to an episode of anything we've done? No, it's. You probably, we could have a re- reoccurring guest and you wouldn't go back and listen to the episode. <laughs> this, I, I don't see the merit in that question. Uh, so if we had Nicholas Obergon to discuss his newest book, would you go back to one of the original episodes he was on to discuss, you know, just to get a refresher of what we talked about? No, you no, wouldn't. No. Because you're not professional. That's why you'll never, ever make it to the top of this have business. You? you? Shut up, Spencer. I, I have to listen to him enough. How about this? Top 10 most remarkable Latin American authors of... All time? All time. Hmm. Todo tiempo. I think that's right there. I always second guess myself when I say things out loud. <laughs> I was at the taco place earlier, actually, and I wanted to order in Spanish, and then the waitress came over and spoke perfect English. I was like, oh, man, the one time. The one time. Well, and we that, get- and like, that's a place you got to like, you got to bring your A game. Oh, yeah. You don't want to come up with that weak sauce, you know. You don't want the correction. You don't want them to correct you. All right, Spencer, I don't even know where this is from. Spanish Academy, so it's got to be legit. Hmm. Let's just go to the list. So you know who you should probably read first? Who? A feller from Argentina, duh. Okay. Jorge Luis Borges. Or it could be Borges. I'm not sure. He was a writer from 1899. No, that's not when he started writing. That's when he was born. Hmm. 1899 to 1986, he died the year of my birth. Hmm. Maybe he's Maybe you're him. Reincarnated? Yeah. I don't know. I've heard of him, but I never let his work read his work. Let's see the fine quality of literature he has put out in this world. When we go to South America, we'll go to the biblioteca. Make, yeah, definitely. We'll do some reading down there. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Borges was a precursor of the boom. He's considered the godfather of Latin American authors and is arguably the 20th century's most important writer. That is a bold statement. Yeah. His literature of mirrors, reflections, and labyrinths is unique and unclassifiable. Even though he was a recognizable author in his time, he never won the Nobel Prize in Literature, which says more about the Nobel Foundation than Borges. That's not like an award just anybody wins, though. <laughs> I mean, if he was the most remarkable writer and he did not win it, that does seem like a travesty. But at the same time, you know, I can't even say that because there's some writers on that uh, list who won the Nobel Prize that I do not agree with. Bob Dylan. Hmm. Bob Dylan won the fucking Nobel Prize. That's, yeah, that seems a little odd. I mean, because I guess poetry is considered, but he's a, he's a singer. Yeah. Nope, the, his voice is very good. I'll say it. Mm. Good songwriter. Voice. Mm. Oh, whining. I don't like it. Uh, so anyway, Mr. Borges once wrote, I have always imagined that paradise will be a kind of library. Fittingly, he went on to become the director of Argentina's National Library. I don't know a library, maybe a bookstore. Can I go on a tangent? Uh, why, st- why try to stop you? We simple yes would have been fucking sufficeful. Yeah, that would have sufficed. You didn't have to say extra words, you fucking dick. You know I gotta edit this. Just don't say extra words. Just say yes. See. Anyway, uh, we uh went to we went to the gymnasium earlier and you know got our body conditioned mm. in various ways. We went to the cafe uh not too far from my house. Had a delicious breakfast. Cause I'm off today. I was off this week. 
Uh, had a delicious, I would say it was more of a lunch even though it was early because I had a salad. <laughs> I had an ensalada. Or is, what is it? Ja, 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 ja. The J, that's how Spanish people laugh. Ja, ja, ja. Oh, ja. yeah. Well, because the J is an H sound, so ha, ha. True, okay, yeah. But it's just funny because every time I see a meme, they, he's over here, ja, 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 ja. <laughs> like, you know? But anyway, the point is, there is a, the building, I think it's even connected maybe, but there's a storefront directly next to the cafe. And I thought, you know what, that would be cool to lease out and open up my own small bookstore. Because it's right next to the cafe that's always busy. And most of the time, if there are going to be readers in your area, they're the ones that go to the cafes. True. So I just think that would be a cool idea if I can get, like, you know, a lot of money. Mm -hmm. You definitely have the books to fill it up. You just... Yeah, but those are my books. (laughs) I don't want people touching my stuff. We got to go on. We're going to be here all day. Next up, can you guess? From Mexico. Born 1914. Perished 1998. I got... No. Come on, Spencer. What the fuck? You don't know? No, I don't. It's Octavio Paz. Oh, of course. Octa- oh, good old Octavio Paz. Octavio Paz, which I don't even know if it's a woman or <laughs> a man or woman's name. I guess it would be Octavia if it was a woman. They always have the A. Feminine A. Should know, Spencer. You know what bugs me about Spanish? I know I ran about this. But when you're just starting learning Spanish, you know, because everything has a gender for some reason, which the gender yeah. folks hate that, but agua. That should be feminine because it ends in an A. And most words that end in A are feminine. So instead of El Agua, it should be La Agua. Because La, as you know from the Batman when he yeah. says La Rata. Yeah. It's, he's like, El Rata. You know, he has the big deal. It's like, it's the worst Spanish I ever heard. I'm rambling. It should be La Agua. But it's not. It's El Agua for no reason. They made it masculine. Why is water masculine, Spencer? You don't care. Cause well, you I'm not trying to not say words so you can do your fucking thing. You got a fucking answer when mm-hmm. I. You know what, Spencer? You can, we're gonna take you to co-host school. We're gonna take you to uh, what's the dude that was a co-host for? You know what? No, we're going old school. Ed McMahon. Yeah. You'll be Ed McMahon. You, you, I was gonna say Andy Ricker from mm-hmm. Conan, but no, Ed McMahon's more up your alley. You uh, you, you're sounding like my bosses at work. You're bitching at me for doing a thing, and then you're bitching at me for not doing the thing. Listen, what happened right before we started the podcast? I stepped in cat throw up. <laughs> not in a good mood. Octavio Paz, who just had the most great intro ever because, you know, the respect we just showed this person. Octavio Paz was a poet and essayist who expressed the Mexican soul through his writings like nobody before him. He won the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1990, won Nobel Prize that Borges did not. I think that's a travesty now. His book of essays, The Labyrinth of Solitude, is the deepest exploration of the Mexican identity ever written. Does it seem that these, I mean, we only covered two now, the word labyrinth has come up twice. Do you think mm. that's a theme in how, how we talk about the different themes of Japanese fiction? Do you think uh, the themes in Latin American fiction might have to do with labyrinths and time? Maybe. Because I know a lot of these also deal with time and generations. Pablo Neruda, 1904 to 1973. Pablo was from Chile. The poet of love. So you should read some of his work. The poet of love was born Ricardo Alessor Navatali Reyes Basalotto. Yeah, something. In southern Chile. He changed his name to avoid problems with his family who disapproved of him becoming a poet. Don't you hate when that happens? You're like trying to become a well-established poet and your parents think you're wrecking your life, throwing it all away. Well, Neruda showed them, Spencer. Neruda went on to win the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1971 and held several diplomatic posts throughout the world. Everybody's winning that thing. Well, that's why they're on the list. That makes sense. Next up, Roberto Bolano, 
1953 to 2003, also from Chile. So Chile. A lot of Chile's represented. Yeah. A lot of Chileans. One of the most famous post-boom Latin American authors, Bolano, was a Chilean writer who lived and wrote about Mexico and spent his final years in Spain. Bolano became a kind of literary rock star as the founder of the Infrarelissimo movement. And by the way, I know my pronunciation of all these words are terrible. So just take it with a grain of salt. We're dirty gringos around here. Next up, Gabriela Mistro, 1889 to 1957, also from Chile. Chile. Born Lucy. I feel like you have to be Chile. Chile. It's not Chile. It's Chile. It's Chile. Actually, it's Chile. Chile. You gotta say Chile. Chile. But it, that just reminds me when people say salsa. Like, yeah. That bothers me. Don't say salsa. Just say salsa. Born Lucila Gordy Alcayaga. Gabriela Menstrel was the pseudonym of this Chilean poet. She became the first Latin American author to win the Nobel Prize in Literature. Another Nobel Prize winner from Chile. According to the Nobel Prize organization, Mistral's poetry expresses the aspirations of Latin America. We're going to have to look on a list to see like the most the country with the most Nobel Prize winning uh for like literature. Mm-hmm. Cuz I always thought like Japanese had a high amount, Americans had a but fucking Chile. Yeah. <laughs> Killing it, bro. I have to move to, to to Chile just uh Chile take you know to get one of those things. Well, this next one is from Colombia, and uh, he is probably the only one I'm like actually aware of. His like I can name his books. I haven't read them other than uh, maybe some short stories, but I want to read Gabriel Garcia Marquez. He is one of the most famous and notable modern writers of uh, Latin America. Many years later, as he faced the firing squad, Colonel Aureliano Buendia was to remember that distant afternoon when his father took him to discover ice. That's the opening line of Garcia Marquez's most celebrated book, 100 Years of Solitude. That line changed the life in Latin American literature forever and would win him the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1982. I think that's the book that's just about like 100 generations of a family or something, and most of them have the same name, and it's oh, very God. confusing and hard to follow. Sounds like something up your alley. Mm. We are back in Argentina with Julio Cotarzar, 1914 to 1984. Cotarzar is one of the, the boom's biggest names and is widely recognized as one of the greatest Latin American authors of the 20th century. His famous book, Rayuela Hopscotch, was the first hypertext novel. Oh, no, Hopscotch. I didn't know if that was the name of the person who wrote it, but uh, Hopscotch is like a book. As far they might actually tell me, but I, I'm pretty sure you could read it, and they, you just skip around pages and like do oh. like a, like a hopscotch. I game. mean, it makes the the title makes sense that way. Here we go. It can be read in different orders in the style of modern films like Quentin Quentin Tarantino and Alejandro Gonzalez in Iritu. That's cool. Yeah, I want to read it. That's actually on my uh, that was on our IRC list, like doing the oh, to reading make, challenge. Make, yeah, that would make sense. Next up, Isabel Allende from Chile, 1942 to current. She is still alive. Oh, you know what? There's a list of some of the more popular books on here. Should I? I'll go back at the end of the episode and I'll read each name again with their books just so people could check out. But, you know, that way you can remember mm-hmm. better. Uh, Isabel's godfather, Salvador Allende, was the first socialist president of Chile. He was killed in the Coupe de... I never say that word. Coupe de Gras? That sounds about right. That brought General Augusto Pinochet, I know the guy, I don't know his name, Pinet, to power. As a result of the coup, Isabel had to go into exile. This this inspired her early works, and she has now sold nearly 70 million books, Spencer. 
That's it? Only 70 million? 70 million, which have been translated into 35 languages. She's also a Hollywood favorite, as many films are based on her books. I have not heard of these books, though. Next up, Mario Vargas Llosa. Nope, that's a double L. Mario Vargas Osa. <laughs> I don't know how to say the double L. 1936 to current. This is from Peru. Mario is a Peruvian. It's the me. I believe you were a Peruvian maybe a few times on this show. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have been. Nothing good from there, though. You, 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 you didn't do good things in Peru. Called the Elder Statesman of Latin American Literature by the New York Times, Vargas Llosa is the last living member of the Boom Authors. He won the Nobel Prize in Literature in 2010. A man of many talents and interests, in 1990 he decided to run for the presidency of Peru, but lost in a runoff. Uh, And finally, Spencer, are you ready for the last one? A Mexican author. Juan Rolfo, from 1917 to 1986. No list of Latin American authors could be complete without Juan Rolfo, father of the magic realism movement. With just two books published, Rolfo opened the floodgates. Many subsequent Latin American writers found inspiration in this movement. So Juan Rolfo has written Pedro Paramo and The Burning Plain. These are their notable works. I'm sure they've written more. Mario Vargas Alosa has written Conversation in the Cathedral in the Greenhouse. Isabel Allende, actually it's a double L again. Isabel Allende, The House of Spirits and of Love and Shadows, and also Eva Luna. Julio Cotarzar, uh, he wrote Hopscotch and Blow Up. Gabriel Garcia Marquez, 100 Years of Solitude, No One Writes to the Colonel, Love in the Times of Cholera. Gabriela Mistrel, Despair and Tenderness. Roberto Bolano, The Savage Detectives, and 2666. Pablo Neruda wrote Twilight, not that Twilight, <laughs> 20 Love Poems and A Song of Despair. Octavio Paz wrote The Labyrinth of Solitude and Alternating Current. And Jorge Luis Borges wrote Fictions and Labyrinths and The Aleph. So there you go. Have you learned something? Do you want to read all these authors? I want to read that Hopscotch book. I think that'd be the, that, yeah. like I said, I've been meaning to get to that. It's just one of those ones I, I have not made my Latin American journey yet, which is kind of weird because obviously I've been learning Spanish and, you know, fucking toying with it. I got a couple uh, books that are half, like the pages, um, they help you learn. So you have one page is in Spanish and the second page is the same page, but in English. Yeah. I just haven't gotten around to reading those yet. But I do want to read... Some Latin American, but I feel like it'll be my Japanese journey, like when that starts to wrap up more. Mm-hmm. I have a few Murakami works and a few Yukio Mishima works in the uh, rest of Natsume Suzuki's bibliography, and then I can move on. I know, I know you're thinking, you need to read some fucking French philosophy literature and some goddamn Russian literature. I don't want to, Spencer. I'm not like you. I don't. I'm not like you. I don't want to be depressed all the time reading Russian literature. No, 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 no. That's. Nothing that I've even looked at. But the Brothers Karamazov is the masterpiece. I don't care. Though I wonder, um, because like how before we've talked about with like a like Japanese literature, like the language mm. barrier and translations. I wonder how with like the Spanish. And I think it'd you- be a lot more straightforward because Spanish is at least a Romance language and has Latin bases, where English has a lot of Latin words that are brought over. And there's a lot of Spanish loan words. I mean, I guess Japanese has them too, but Spanish, like, they have a lot of loan words from English. So, mm-hmm. like, put it this way you can read a Spanish newspaper, and even though you don't know any Spanish, you'll at least be able to pick out some words. Yeah. So, if you even have, know, like, 
basic Spanish. That's enough where you can kind of navigate your way. Where's Japanese? You got the characters. Yeah. You get, it's just, it's very indecipherable at times. But I think it would be a lot of fun. And just like the way, because like, you know, even again, like to with like with the Japanese, we've noticed like there's certain kind of characteristics or like ways or the kind of stories mm. that they tell. Now, like, Grant, those seemed all more like li- like a literary, yeah, uh, more kind of works. So I wonder what more like like uh, the Spanish Spanish and Hispanic um, genre kind of stuff. Like, I wonder what that's like. Well, I've read a few Spanish works from Spanish-speaking authors, and I can't remember the one lady's name, but I didn't really care for the book. It wasn't a literary book, though. It was, I guess it would be more genre, but I just, I don't know. It wasn't a good book, so I didn't really enjoy it. I can't remember the name. And I was like one of the first things I ever reviewed for DPW. Mm-hmm. But I've, uh, I've covered, like, I've read different, obviously translated stories, like sci-fi stories and stuff, and those are cool, but... Like I said, you brought up like the Japanese, uh, Spanish, like Latin America, they have like the more magical realism. And then obviously their themes that they go with would be interesting to kind of navigate and figure out like, oh, this is something that, you know, Latin American writers write about a lot. Like we saw like labyrinths and stuff. Is that a thing that comes up in a lot of these or is that just like those two authors? Because, you know, Japan has a lot of like modern Japanese has a lot of nostalgia stuff, which you've been seeing with the Mirakami works. Then they have a lot of stuff about honor, the seasons, a lot of nature, because they're a Buddhist-heavy mm-hmm. country, whereas Latin American countries are Catholic-heavy. Yeah. So I'm thinking they would actually share a lot in common with Irish literature, which would be interesting. Um, also, since we're on the topic of translations and that kind of stuff, it's not going to be anytime soon for the folks listening, because I know you're, you want us to cover D- it bad. Dying, dying for it. I picked up Spencer a copy of The Divine Comedy, because he's been flirting with reading this stupid thing for years on this podcast. He yeah. talks about it like, oh, it's going to make me cool to maybe, say maybe, I'm going to read. going to be a cool guy. I'm going to read The Divine Comedy, Dante's Inferno, for the wind. And then he thinks, he's like, oh, he's a cool guy talking about it. No, you got to fucking read it now. So when he reads it, then he can at least have an opinion. Uh, I got the, the translations again, because I have multiple copies of that. I had that Barnes & Noble edition, which is the Longfellow edition, and I did some research. I talked to some folks about the best translations. The Longfellow one seems to be like the best classic translation. Then there's like, I have, there's a Mendelbaum one, which I think I might have somewhere. I don't remember. Uh, I haven't read it, by the way, folks. Just so you know, I'm just talking on my ass a little bit. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Well, I'm my, now my new excuse is because the new excuse was I didn't have it. So now the new, my new excuse is like, I will have to wait until you read it so we can talk yeah, about it and, yeah, yeah. and whatever. Like, Well, unfortunately for you, that's one of my top seven books of this this year I'm going to read. Well, yeah, well, we'll see what you get. Well, I picked up myself a copy as well, the John Ciardi edition, because it seems that his version, because some of them with the translation, especially of epics, I've noticed, uh, and when I've researched with the Divine Comedy, the issue comes down to Italian to English. You can't have a direct translation because it's written in poetic form. Mm. So if you directly translate it, it's not going to be in a poem form anymore. It's not going to, I don't know if it rhymes or not. I haven't gotten into it, but like just the, the meter and just, you know, the rhyme schemes or just how it go, like breaks down, it wouldn't be the same. So some author or some translators, they've done translations where they warp the words and stuff and change things up from the literal translation to better fit the schemes. Uh, then some folks have translated directly, uh, and it's not even in a pro. It's like just a prose book now. It's not even a epic poem anymore. And then other ones, which is like the Ciardi one, it seems to be good for beginners because it keeps the poetic style 
and you kind of get the rhythm, but it still holds true to the original text as best it can while keeping... And uh, that, the, that's the one we got? Yeah, while keeping the English reader's attention because, like I said, if it's if it just comes off as weird random lines... Mm-hmm you're not going to enjoy it. Like if the sentences aren't structured in a a way that we can acknowledge as a story or a poem, we're not going to understand it that well. well, Like if it's like a, if it put it this way, if it was in a prose style, but broken up into poetry lines, it wouldn't make much, like it'd be stupid. You'd be like, why is it like this? Well, that's the only like, you know, because your big books that you like, you want to read because those are all like poem formed, right? Or don't they? The Iliad and the the epic stuff. Yeah. But so like, how are they, but they're not like rhyming. Are they? Uh, uh, they transferred into more of a story. Like the Iliad, more of a, like more of a pro rather than like the the version of the Iliad. Because I got the Fagel's edition, Robert Fagel's editions of the Iliad and the Odyssey, and and the Ionid. Because well, one, he's one of the more popular ones, and I read. Uh, well, I started listening to uh, audio readings chapter by chapter of the Iliad as I'm reading it with. Uh, it's like one of the most, po- I can't think of his name now. It's one of the most popular translated versions, but he, that guy used a lot of, one, I don't really like how the translation is sometimes. It's like not necessarily wonky. It just, it seems like it takes the action away. And then also they use the Roman names for the gods. So instead of Zeus, it's Jove. And it's, you, know, you get like Mercury and Poseidon, or not Poseidon, not Neptune. Like Poseidon would be Neptune. I like the Greek ones. It's a Greek yeah. epic. I want the fucking Greek, not the Roman version. But anyway, uh, as far as like the Iliad goes, uh, it's not a rhyming. It's more just like broken up in the stands. Yeah, like I said, it's stanzas, but it's like a pro, kind of like prose. It, it plays almost like a blockbuster movie. It's almost like a prose novel that was broken up into a play without the names for the play. So you wouldn't have like Caleb, and then it would have my lines. Or it's not broken up like that. It's just action and. It's kind of hard to describe, but it's, it's like more, maybe more like a screenplay. Maybe I don't know. I don't know much about screenplays, but it's it's enjoyable. It's uh, a lot more fun than I thought it was gonna be. And uh, the Divine Comedy, I hope follows suit. But I already just flipping through. It does seem like that has. I don't think again. I don't think it's like a rhyming poem, but I, it does seem it has more of a rhythm. The Iliad, I can't really catch a strict rhythm, though. I'm sure it was there, but then it might be the translation version. I don't know. See, because like I said, that's always been my kind of like hold up on those kind of things. Like that kind of stuff. Like again, it'd be like, oh, that's interesting. I've always heard about these stories and like watch stuff on like the History Channel and stuff, but to actually read the thing. But then it's like, I don't know how I would enjoy reading it in pro form. Yeah. Or in poet, you know, in pro, po- yeah. po- poet form. Oh, poetry form. Yeah. Well, like Shakespeare, so far what I've read, most of it rhymes, which I did not expect because, you know, it's written in play form and stuff. I thought, oh, this would just be, you know, dry Shakespeare. But it was, like, written in poetry form. Like, everything rhymes. So that's kind of interesting. Like, the Epic of Gilgamesh, that didn't rhyme from what I remember. But I didn't like the Epic of Gilgamesh. It was only, like, 50 pages. But the Divide Comedy, I think we'll both enjoy it because it's broken down to, like, this version I got, the CRD version. It has in the back, uh, like, all the footnotes. So wherever words highlight or something, if you don't know it or if you don't understand the meaning of something, you can just look it right up. Right. Which is good, but just from the little bit I was just uh, flipping through and looking at, it seemed pretty understandable. It's not like uh, Paradise Lost, which I think is going to be hard for me. That one seems a little bit more dense. The language may be a little more archaic, and you can't really translate that one because that was in English. 
You know, it's like Shakespeare was written in English. I don't know what I'm going to really do about that. I just hope it's... Yeah, because Paradise Lost came out after the Divine Comedy, right? I'm not sure. Um, Paradise Lost... John Milton was around when Shakespeare was around. It's around that time. Let's just say 1300s to 1600s. Because Shakespeare was like late 1500s, 1600s. I'm not sure. Uh, Milton came after, I believe. Maybe Dante was before. I, I, I don't know. I'll have to look that up because that also will affect my reading order yeah. of certain things because I'm trying to go in like the not the order of publication, but just like trying to keep the dates like I'm going to these epics and then I'm going to work my way through Shakespeare and the 1500s and stuff up to Ulysses. Yay. I'm super excited for that. I can't wait for you to read that when we do our Stephen King swap and I just yeah. hand you Ulysses, <laughs> the big version I have. Uh, so that's about all I have for you today, Spencer. Okay. You have a topic you want to touch upon. No, I think that pretty much covers it, I think. Ooh, big news. Oh, big news. Today, because I, I submitted American Short Fiction had a contest. Ooh. Flash Fiction contest. The winner gets like 2500 bucks. flown Ooh. to somewhere in Texas, I think. Well, I got a response today, Spencer, and yeah. I was rejected. Oh. Harshly. It wasn't harshly. And I was like, I didn't even make the finalist. So that kind of hit me over the head with a wrench. I was like, yeah, because I've been waiting so long to hear back. And I think that cost me 20 bucks. Oh, like, How it. long ago did you send it? Months and months and months and months ago. Oh. I just wish they would have been like, oh, we're going to at least say the name of your story in this. But it was like, you know what? Fuck it, folks. We're Exclusive. Story time. Oh, here it is. Dear Big Dick Jimmy. Wait, sorry. That's, <laughs> that's, that's Dear Caleb. Oh, are you sure it's not? What was what was the one name? Chad or? Uh... Kent or Clark or something? Yeah. I think it was Kent. It was stupid. Whatever that part. They, they sent me another message, by the way, and it was the same name. <laughs> Say, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> Kurt. That was it. Kurt, who the yeah. fuck is Kurt? I'm not going to have you on the podcast if you call me Kurt. <laughs> Listen to one episode. One episode. We say our names many times. Well, at least your name. Thank you. Dear Caleb, thank you so much for submitting your work to the American Shorter Fiction Prize because it was a, they're the short fiction, but it was short-term flash fiction contest. Three stories, by the way. We were highly impressed and moved by the stories we received. Not my story, just the story. <laughs> just from other people, not you so much. Unfortunately, we had to make some tough decisions and we're sorry to say your piece did not place as a finalist. We consider it a privilege to have spent time with your work. Your story and the other submitted with it reminded us of the beauty and potential of the form. We wish you the best of luck in placing it elsewhere. It will be announcing the winner of the prize, blah, blah, blah. Sincerely, the editors of America. They didn't look at it at all. No, nah, they could at least said the name of one of the stories. <laughs> yeah, it was what? three fucking stories. You could at least said something. Of your story and then the others. But fun fact, I submitted a story to them in October, and it never went into progress. And then this contest came up, so I submitted the story as well as other two other stories to the contest. And then the previous <laughs> one went in progress, and I was like, oh, no. And then they both went in progress at the same time. I was like, what if they accepted both? I, like, what happened? That'd be kind of cool. Or if they, but what if they only accepted it the first time in the, for the contest? I was like, I have to say, hey, you accepted this. Can't, I don't know. But they ended up rejecting both of them. So Problem solved. Yeah, I can't wait to read the wonderful winning story. I'm sure it'll be great. Because everything else I read in that, I couldn't even finish one fucking issue. The story, Spencer. What are we doing wrong? 
wrong with our lives? I just, I just think I need to pay somebody off or do sexual favors or something. To I think it's just who you know at this oh, point. Definitely. I do have uh, those stories were also submitted elsewhere. I think it's a place with a, the Atticus Review. I think, <clears throat> haven't you done something for them before? No, not the Atticus Review. But they accept emerging writers, writers with less than five publications to their name. So hopefully, cross my fingers, they uh, like my work. Though if not, I'm just going to quit forever. Because I got a lot of rejections lately of all the ones that were in my queue. Now I'm only in progress at three different places. Well, one pissed me off was Southern Indiana Review. I really thought they were going to like my story. And I got the most generic. Mm. Let me see if I can find that <laughs> one. Uh, it, it hurt my feelings is what it did. <laughs> Thanks for the words. Well, I even looked up the editor and looked at his bio, and it was like he seemed like I would jive with him. Like he seemed like he would enjoy the work. It was like the perfect story. I thought, oh fuck you, Blue Earth Review, rejecting me too. I didn't even want to. I hate when I get rejected by one I even want published in in the first place. Ooh, I, I submitted the Amsterdam Review too. Oh yeah, I've not heard back from them. Obviously, uh, who am I looking up again? Some kind of college, Southern Indiana. Yeah. I might have deleted it out of... In, I had, uh, had a fury. I Actually, I think I did because it, it was so generic. Here it is. It's in my trash. Oh, no. Wait, wait. Ooh, I can look on Submittable. I forgot. Oh, Submittable, yeah. folks, if you use Submittable and you get rejected, it tells you the message you got rejected. Yay. Let me just go... Ooh, I got another... No, I don't. Uh-oh. Ooh, I am. I'm in review at the Atticus now. Oh, cool. Cool. Good beans. Because I saw one less thing, which means somebody might have just fucking... I always hit accept first to see if anybody accepts me. There's just no submissions. Wrong. I need to submit the Iowa review. I think it was East Iowa. I forget what it was, but they really liked my one story. They just didn't have room for it because like, they literally were at the tail end of their thing. She told me to submit personally. She wanted me to I submit do, again. I think I remember that, yeah. So I need to, when they open back up, I need to keep an eye on that. Dear Caleb, thank you for your submission for an upcoming issue of the Southern Indiana Review. Unfortunately, we are unable to accept your work for publication at this time. Sincerely, SIR. Mm. Not even a name for someone who rejected. Like, give me your name. Give me your name. Is it, is it Kurt? Is your name <laughs> Kurt? Are you fucking Kurt? Are you fucking Kurt? So grievances aside, folks, we thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow us at DPW Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and also YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. Because as me and Spencer look, some of our episodes have lots of views, and some don't have any. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I, we don't promote anything on there. We just post the podcast, non-video form. Uh, Spencer. He is. Do I gotta say your name? He has a big name. Yeah. Spencer. In Spanish. Spencer. The hell. I don't know the, mm. either of these words in Spanish. Spencer. The halitosis harbinger of Jalisco Church. Well, what about my name in Spanish? Spencer Church. Yeah. Is it just? It wouldn't. Add, there's not like a. It'd be your name. So what? Spencer Church. But like, but like, I don't, they don't have like a like. There's not a Spanish like version. Oh, you're saying if there's yeah. a Spanish version of Spencer Church. Yeah. Church, I guess. What's the Spanish word for church? Oh, Spencer. I just got a message from your mom. Oh. She said you're not Spanish. So quit it. <laughs> so you you could be. Oh wait, that's wrong. I put an S in church. <laughs> that's not. Figure right. that one. Out. I started with it. So you could be Spencer Iglesia. Oh. There you go. Spencer. And I am Caleb Jimenez. (laughs) 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 You can follow me and my writing journey, and if I get accepted anywhere else ever in my lifetime again, uh, at (laughs) CalebHemezK.com. I like that. Soft J. You can be Jimenez. So we thank you for listening. 
we may be doing a special Mirakami minute episode with a special guest. Not Haruki Mirakami. Don't get your hope. Not even a Japanese man, but somebody who's been to Japan. Yeah, yeah so that's like up. But I've also been on the podcast before, so it doesn't take much investigating mm, yeah. if you want to find that. But if that does come about, keep your ears open. We'll let you know, and that'll be published out as soon as possible. Yes. Also, Spencer wants me to get Richard Chismar on the podcast, so maybe I'll yeah. try. Yeah. See? And then what? Oh, that's so much research I got to do. You just got to send an email. I'll let you host that one. We'll change names. Yeah. Oh, here's the thing. If we get him on... Do we ha- like, are we doing your dumb name? <laughs> We've know. done it every part. Even yeah, when we had guests, we're like, right. like, what if we had Stephen King on the podcast? Would you do the, want the fucking dumb name? <laughs> I don't know. That'd be. T- I almost feel like we would have to. Almost. I would do dairy. Yeah. Or like, uh, or at least somewhere like Castle Rock or right now, Castle Rock, yeah, yeah. something like one of his like you know towns. We'll we'll deliberate off air. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll check you out next time.